This is Jessica. And this is Kelly. And this is the Chasing Brighter podcast. Hello, and welcome to our November book club, Winter Street by Ellen Hildebrand. Um, Kelly and I were excited to kind of do a holiday novel, but we wanted to get into something um, that kind of got into family, family dynamics and family dysfunction. Um, And this book was so good for that. Um, The book is about Kelly and Mitzi Quinn. They're the owners of Winter Street Inn in Nantucket. Kelly has three adult children from his first wife, who is a famous news anchor. And together, he and Mitzi have one son, Bart, who recently joined the Marines. As the holiday season approaches, Kelly anticipates having the inn filled with his children and grandchildren. However, Kelly walks in on his wife, Mitzi, kissing the Santa Claus that they hire for the inn. So then dysfunction ensues. All of the three Quinn children come to the inn with their own troubles. Patrick is a hedge fund manager that may have made some deals that are not on the up and up. Kevin has secretly been seeing the French housekeeper of the inn. Ava is in a relationship which makes her heart pound, but has the inkling that he is not as committed as she is. All of this as a news of Mitzi is going to make for a very interesting Christmas at the Winter Street Inn. All right. And joining us for our book club episode today is my dear friend, Brooke, who is also an avid reader and an avid audible reader. I still call it avid reader, even though it's Oh, I totally agree. Hi, welcome, Brooke. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So we get some more opinions as we dive in today. Um, We all listen to this on Audible. Yes. Yes. I I think I might. I don't know if I've read it in the past, but I I listened this time. It's a quick listen. Mm -hmm. It's a good listen. Yeah. Um, it's it was kind of a fun holiday um, listen. It is very um, very much in line with the whole uh, the Nantucket other stories that I've read. You know, where you just want to move to Nantucket, and clearly having an inn is fun too because yeah. there's always things going on. Although this one, it seems like he's going out of business because it's just his family that is hanging out yeah, there. The inn is Great empty. for <laughs> other people when your end. whole family lives there. At the end when it was I like, know. it's going out of business because we haven't made any money. Like, no shit. Like, why don't you advertise or something? Well, would they say the owner's quarters? And so they had their adult son, Kevin, living there. Isabel, the housekeeper, living there. The owner's living there and able of there. So there were four ensuite rooms just for the owners yeah i want to live in that big house that i created in my mind right um you know i mean how do you how did each of you experience the book were you engaged immediately no i was not um the whole like divorce piece like right out of the gates and then it all just kind of seemed meh in the very beginning. It took me a while to get into the story. I got into it, but I'm a product of a divorced family, so it caught me, but I will agree that it was kind of slow getting into the story. I mean, they jump right into um, Mitzi kissing George, Santa Claus, you know, so that was right the first, I think, chapter, but so that grabbed me. Yeah. And then, then you're right, it got kind of slower. Well, I think then that gives you a very jaded view of Mitzi. So then as the characters develop, like the first time you see Mitzi, 
she's cheating on her husband so you're like well i don't like mitzi you know forget it plus her name was mitzi i have a thing about (laughs) names anyway and like that's not a name i would have chosen for a character that's like a dog name to me sadly if anybody has friends named mitzi no offense well and then you they talk about her outfit her mrs santa claus outfit yes like the hooker boots and so she was really portrayed as the hussy yeah Yeah, and i feel like so the whole then the whole family right comes together to kind of help kelly right because his marriage is disintegrating and his son i think his son went off to the marine so his children from his first marriage with margaret come and even margaret comes and so you're automatically like oh i love margaret you know, forget Mitzi. I love this whole family. Well, situation. I don't know about that because I also thought like, here's a woman. I have a hard time with that too, where it's like she, her career was first and foremost. These are interesting characters in the book. I think that's what it, you know, um, I think this is a great author. And so it was easy to sort of, once you kind of got into it, it kept me into it. But I mean, Margaret, who like, you know, put her career before everything else and like, still kind of did, you know, even at the end where she was still like thinking about going back to her surgeon and like going back to the city and all these things where it was like, it just seemed like she wasn't where I thought she would end up. Maybe the other books. Yeah. So this is a series. So this is the first book in a series. So I, I think that's a great theme that comes out um, as women. We often um, are kind of uh, made to believe that we have to choose our career or our family. And um, the kids are older. So Margaret Quinn was coming up in the 80s um, and her husband was on Wall Street and she was expected to be home and do all the mom things. And that was not what felt good to her. So you had a hard time with her choices, Kelly. How about you, Brooke? Um, I actually respected those choices. And um, I like that she kind of stood her ground. And I, it was sad, I think, that they ended up get Kelly and Margaret got divorced because I think if they could have just made it through a couple of those really hard years, then yeah. they would have been really good. Um, but maybe and that brings up a whole other like, do you stick it out or do you, you know, cut your losses? But um, yeah, I liked her character. Um, it's not a choice that I would ever make. You know, my kids are the most probably important my family is so that's not a choice I would make but I respect it from her yeah I absolutely respect it and like we were saying she's like a main huge anchor for a major network and so she's traveling the world and you have to make those sacrifices and it's like it could be possible with the supportive partner um I personally think it's hard for two partners to have big careers yeah, right so absolutely. someone i think for a successful relationship mm-hmm. someone kind of has to go on the back burner i i personally think and so i think like kelly it's not like i don't know whatever uh kelly wasn't in this fulfilling amazing career right he just wanted margaret to do what he wanted margaret to do so there was opportunity for him to give a little and i think that i was at peace with them not reconciling because um he wants someone there all the time. And as they develop and talk about Mitzi, you know, Mitzi did, right? Mitzi was all about creating an inn and being with everybody. And she didn't have these huge ambitions, um, which is what I, I really think Kelly ultimately wanted in a partner, right? Someone that would give it all up for him. 
I think the sad yeah. part though was the Ava, the younger daughter, who it just seemed like she never got enough time with her mom. Yeah. That was the part that kind of bothered me. Like at the end when her mom, when Margaret came and got in bed with her, just surprised her on Christmas. And she's like, just be mine for a little bit longer. Like nobody else knew. And it was like, so heartbreaking to me that there's this adult that's still, I mean, I think you'll always need your mom, but that still needed that comfort and wanted her. So she was five when they got divorced. Right. And so when they got divorced, um, Kelly took the kids to Nantucket and took them away from Manhattan to be more present with the kids. And so she, and she, I think that they explored Margaret's feelings about that. Like, what if if she stays i want her with me but if she stays with me she'll be raised by nannies mm-hmm. and if she goes with her dad and i think still as a society mm-hmm. we totally judge moms and not dads mm-hmm. we are totally judging why didn't you keep your daughter with you uh, meanwhile but but like she got to be with one parent i think yeah. that's still so hard for us to not um judge a mother when she's not with her kids yeah for sure i I do it and it's I hard try to, to just stop myself, but I do put it. yourself in that person's shoes and making that decision. And it's like, she was thinking what's best for my daughter, not what I want, but that's tough. You know, I think that's really tough. Um, Ava's character annoyed me. Um, she annoyed me because it was like, um, and, and maybe that, you know, we could dive into more about her need um, to be loved based on, yeah kind of abandonment by her mother but she was in this chase she had this guy that was doting on her that she was ignoring to chase after this other guy who was showing you know that he did not want to commit to her and it it was like her whole life was kind of about who she was going to be attached to and that annoyed me probably because I'm just more of an independent person isn't that amazing that an author can make a character like that, that you can draw this sort of like conclusion without it being said in mm-hmm. the book? I don't know. Do you think it was purposeful? Must have. No, makes you wonder. She's written a shit ton of books. She knows what she's doing. I do. I do want to. This is what I was saying before. It's hard for me because I read the whole series, um, but I do like where all of the characters end up. But in the first book, Ava wasn't my favorite, but she does develop and get better if if you want to read more about that. Well, if you think about it, she was so in love with Nathaniel, right? Like over head over heels with him. And then within a, a span of three days, I think that's how long this book takes. It's like she's doesn't love him or maybe she does. But she's giving up on that and going to Scott, who has been around forever. And it's like, how you can't flip your feelings like that on a dime. Like you want to get married and the next minute you're like, never mind. I want to marry this guy. (laughs) I'm going to marry him. And, you know, she also I mean, they do have Bart. Kelly's son with um, Mitzi, but the way that they raised Bart was almost like an only child, right? Because Mitzi treated him completely differently. And so I do think then that has me think Ava definitely has personality traits of the baby. You know what I mean? Like she kind of wants, you know, I don't know, kind of entitled a little bit or like loves love or whatever the characteristics are of a baby. I think kind of um, I see that like she's a little emotionally immature. Hmm. Yeah. And what about, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think she was much, much more functional than Kevin, the bartender brother. 
And um, see, this is where true. I love. Um, I want to. I want to hear what you have to say. Sorry, but I just want to say I. I'm obsessed with um, gender and birth order, and so mm-hmm. this is where I think that plays out. But go ahead about Kevin. Sorry. No, I just, um, he, I mean, he, I, I don't even remember how old he was, 28, maybe, I don't know, but something like that. Yeah. I think he was in his thirties. Was he? Okay. I think he, so. um, I did feel bad because I know people that have done the whole, like getting married right after high school and then you change, you grow and the person that you were with. So I, I felt sorry for the situation with his ex-wife. Um, but then I think that the parents, Mitzi and, um, Kelly, probably Kelly more so totally enabled these children to depend on him and live in the inn and not have to be out on their own. So, I mean, there was, I think there were a lot of codependent relationships in this book. Absolutely. And I think, um, so much fallout from the divorce. Like if you want to dissect everyone's relationships, you know? And so, um, shortly after they moved to Nantucket, Kevin attaches himself to this girl. Right. And then marries her. Um, and then isn't able because of, I don't know the kind of person she was like, he drops out of college and he drops out of, um, culinary school and it doesn't, isn't, you know, able to be an independent functioning, independent adult. Kind of a lost soul in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But also the middle child too. So interesting, right? So it's like, um, I'm kind of a a people pleaser, you know. um, Are you uh, a middle child? I'm the youngest. Just us two. Two of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Our mom's a middle. Our mom's a middle. And, um, but, you know, uh, so, so then we've got, Patrick, who's like over-functioning type A, right? And then I think they were very close in age. And so then there's nothing left for Kevin, right? Like the top yeah. one got all the spotlight. And so it's like, well, then I'm a loser. Then I'm a total loser. Yeah, they even called him the golden home. boy. At the end, yeah. she's like, you'll always be my golden boy. And it's like, well, then what am I? If, you know, if my brother's the golden boy. Well, the, and then yeah. even when Kevin, like all of a sudden, it's to me, it seemed like he's trying to get his shit together he's got this new girlfriend slash fiance now and who's having a baby and he they decide that they want to take over the inn and i didn't feel like the dad was all like go get him you can do it it was more like nah that's not gonna work <laughs> you right, know there's like 10 million dollars in equity like oh here have the inn uh he, right what do you do when you have i don't know right didn't they say the inn was worth like seven four million dollars four, oh, four it's million. just four million yeah, four. i'm yeah. so crazy <laughs> but you know how it's like oh we'll just take over the inn like that's i don't know to me so entitled that you could just be given something that mm. the dad sunk his entire fortune in over two decades fair enough but i do like they didn't support that which was weird which yeah it's weird um but i i was I liked Kevin's personality and I was so hopeful for him. I think so many times, I think many people get lost in comparison, you know, and it's like there is he was like the manager of the bar in a main area. Um, He had a whole bunch of money saved. Like there was no he wasn't a loser, you know, but that's because he identified that way. Um, you know, and, uh, but I, I think I had a lot of hope for him. Like, think, like you said, Kel, things were looking up, finding this 
new partner, getting engaged, having a baby, you know, hopeful that he was going to kind of launch delayed, a delayed launch. Well, and then you look at Patrick, right? Who on, on paper, seems like he's got everything, right? And yeah, you know, as the story continues, it starts to fall. It's falling apart, right? In some way. Um, I think it's easy as you get older to start to realize that, you know, some of the people who you think have it all really may not, it's, you know, it's not what it seems. Um, well, I think social media was, makes everything seem glossy and bright and shiny yes. in everybody else's lives, you know, so. I tell my daughter that all the time <laughs> and I just think it's because I'm a therapist, right? So I see behind the closed doors and it's like, there can be beautiful packages, but we don't know, right? What lies behind that. And um, I think for sure the, the Quinn children all compared their, themselves to Patrick. And so, you know, Patrick had what, three boys, mm-hmm. a supportive wife who, um, had like an up and coming, up and coming interior design business and everything, uh, looked amazing. Um, what would each of you do if you found out that your partner or spouse, um, might be facing, I mean, I'm assuming the book federal prison charges or federal charges. Would you stick with your partner? What would you do? Ooh, um, it would depend how deep and um, how atrocious like what he did was. To me, what Kevin did was completely immoral. You know, it was a bad thing to do, but it wasn't like, like if somebody sexually molested a child, sure. yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? Right. Uh, right. Is a, a victimless crime, if you will. Um, yeah. But then you think, you know, cause I did reference Bernie Madoff and, there were victims, you know, people lost their life savings. Yeah, that's so true. There, there are um, victims, even in um, Patrick's scenario, but no, I would probably stay. But well, yeah. And that, I think, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, you would think that for him to make that decision, need that money, like are there pressures that he's feeling? Exactly. Life or from what's he feeling that he thought he had to do that? Yeah. I think that's a great question. Well, because it was insider trading, right? So he just like dumped a ton of money into something that he knew was kind of a sure thing. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting too, just with insider trading, like to me now, that's just an interesting concept as little as I know of the financial sector of um, like, we have access to everything all the time with texting and social media and Google and all that stuff. So is that even a thing anymore? Um, Because you can access information. Um, But it was a role. He broke it. Um, I also think he knew he did though, in some way, right? I mean, he was kind of pressured to do some unethical things and he knew he did something wrong. So he took it a little bit further than he could have too. Um, and he should have, for sure. I yeah. I loved his mom's. I loved Margaret. It was just like, take it. You got to take your lumps and deal with it. Or I don't know if it was Margaret or Kelly, but like, yeah, I Margaret. I think that more people need to do that. Like, I think of Martha Stewart and she was, you know, she took it. She did it. She went. She served her time. And, you know, so I think of now she's just, BFF with Snoop Dogg. Hey, I mean, I know. <laughs> that's, right. that's what prison so, does to you. Uh, <laughs> and um, 
you know, I think people respect that when you just take immediately take responsibility, accept responsibility for what you did and move forward. Versus I think when it comes things. to like, well, I live in Vegas where there's like fast money and millionaires are made and sketchy things happen. I swear everyone owns their own business here. And I'm always like, so to me, I think there are different careers um, that are fall more prey to that. So like if my spouse or partner was running their own business and money was coming in, you know, I, I think sometimes I think his wife enjoyed that and didn't ask questions. Was she pressuring him to provide that lifestyle? Not necessarily, but I think a lot of times we're just like, you know, people enjoy that without asking questions. Um, and I think uh, I could see that happening, but I agree. Um, if it were you know, a heinous crime, if it were a crime against another person, um, that would be um, difficult for me. Um, and, 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 you know, how would you manage that as a, as a partner? But um, uh, I know that, that right. Jennifer, um, you know, chose to stand by her man. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, by the way, just especially since you said that you read this previously, how do you remember all this stuff? If there yeah. was a quiz question that was like, what did Patrick's wife do? A lawyer? Yeah. Like, I really didn't remember that she was. I um, remember she had an up and coming. So I have a, by the way, I don't, I'm not trying to brag about it, but I have a really good memory where it is a fault and you wouldn't want to live with me, but I guess I have a really, really good memory. I know like what someone was wearing in 1995, but I re-listened to this book and okay. um, also uh, all of those characters develops, like Jennifer was like 1% of the book, but she yeah, becomes yeah, yeah. 50% of another book. So that's why oh. I remember more of her life. Well, I have a horrible memory. So I'm probably happier than you, Jess, because I just forget. I know. No, I'll be like, do you remember in 2004 and you called me, you know, we had an argument and you, <laughs> I, I try, I try not to, but I'm sure my husband, <laughs> it's probably tough because he doesn't, you know, it's like my, my, my middle is just like my husband where you come, even when he was little, like, how was school? I don't remember. <laughs> And I'm like, you were just in school. I just picked you up. You don't remember 30 minutes ago? No. No. <laughs> and that's who I married. So it's like, yeah, it's not it's not so much fun because he doesn't remember anything. So I thought the fun part about the book, although it didn't happen in this book, but the story about the Santa, right? That there was always somebody who was dressed as the Santa and Mrs. Claus and as I don't know if you guys recall, but that is a theme of the the Fox family's Christmases that on Christmas Eve, we have somebody dressed as a Santa Claus. And so I think that's really fun and it's silly. And I think that was a cute idea. It's too bad that it didn't work out so well since he ended up being the. Don't you like George? George I like George. Guy. I like George. But they made him like so severely obese when Mitzi was having maybe that was my own thing but they were like he was like over 300 pounds or something didn't yeah, I, I say that? that I just and, think of and, I, and then they were like he was enormous and maybe that was they were jaded and then she was like having an affair with him for like 12 years I was like, what? but it was like they were making him sound attractive once a year wasn't it like yeah. every Christmas <laughs> She got her groove on for a few days. Went and it definitely seemed like towards the end of the book outfit. that I didn't know how long that escapade was going to last. I'm curious about how that continues in the other stories. But 12 you, years, if, let's, I mean, 12 years. Yeah. And I thought it was really the, the dinner, the final dinner, the Christmas dinner. And I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but no. 
the Christmas dinner when she saw Mar- Mitzi saw Margaret there. To me, it was so sad that she always felt so overshadowed by Margaret, their entire marriage. Yeah, like, for sure. And like, that's, I mean, how could you be with somebody that you think loves somebody else the whole yeah. time? And well, and it's like, I think that Kelly, I mean, he gave up everything and did every single thing Mitzi ever wanted and showed her. And it's interesting to me. Um, I don't know how I would handle being a second spouse. I guess I would say that. You know what I mean? I don't know how that would feel for me if I were married to someone that did everything else first with somebody else. Well, and if that you other know? person is very famous. Yeah. And then she's famous and gorgeous. Too. Yeah. Right. That would be hard. Yeah. I want, And I, I think that would be hard, but I think it's also, it's sad. I, it's really sad that she was that to me. It's sad that she was that insecure and wait, because because yeah, for sure, he, like, I, 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 I can, there is something special about a relationship with the parent of your children, right? There's going to be a bond and a connection and you have to co-parent and be there. So there's going to be a relationship. Um, and so it's sad that she was so insecure, but also, um, yeah, I thought Mitzi was like a sad character in this book, right? Because everything oh, was sure. like about her son, Bart. And so as soon as Bart became a little bit independent, when he was like, eight or six or something that's when she started the affair and um she just doted on bart and spoiled him and um you know they created this entitled child who you know would wreck car after car barely passed classes did a lot of drugs um and she kind of enabled all of that and had a little bit of an unhealthy relationship with him well and maybe that's the the writer's intent as well is to in some ways it might be the one person you feel sorry for at the end of the book because it is clear to me too that like her and george aren't panning out kelly sort of like maybe even realized that that wasn't wasn't really he wasn't happy and that wasn't like he was kind of done with mitzi right don't you think toward the end of the book there wasn't kelly or george kelly he, kelly was done with mitzi like he wasn't trying to like get her back you know reunite exactly and i think that it just made her seem like this sad unhappy person at the end too i don't know because it's like like the book like right mitzi wanted everything a certain way and like they couldn't eat beef right couldn't they like not do all of these things because all these roles and that's why i was like i was like kelly like moved bought you the end did every single thing blew all of his money on you did everything you wanted let you raise the kid how you know like made all make all of these choices and you're unhappy but i but maybe there's go ahead Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in. Um, but he, it sounds like he bought her everything and did everything, but she was so lonely. So yeah. did he not talk to her? Did he not? And and I mean, it was said in the book, like he probably never gave her the same respect that he gave Margaret because she yeah. was so smart. But it just made me sad. It's like, well, that's what he thought she wanted. But really, is that a partnership? When right. you just let someone make unilateral decisions all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think in that way, he kind of lost himself, right, in the whole situation, mm-hmm. which was the realization, you know, when that happened. Um, but I mean, could you almost, going back to the happy parts of the book, could you like, I could almost like smell the Christmas dinner, totally. you know, it just seems so cozy and. Well, um, and- 
then we woke up this morning with snow. Yeah. So like, oh, I get to talk about this book and it's snowing here. <laughs> it was just kind of neat. That I um yeah, the meal, the meal and the food and um how uh Margaret seamlessly kind of came in and helped pull things together a little bit. I loved the character of Margaret. You know, I love a strong woman. I love a strong female lead. So I think I just immediately loved her. Yeah, I liked her too. Just very independent and not going to give a crap about what you guys think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, what did you think about, um, so, uh, uh, Kelly and Margaret hooked up a couple times when she visited. What did you guys, did you, did you think that there was going to be reconciliation? Yeah, I thought by the end there, there would be. And so I was disappointed that um, she was like going to go back to her surgeon buddy. But then when she said the, I mean, I think it was the yeah. very last. Yeah. She's like, I'll stay as long as you need. Yes, me. you're right. Yes. She realized, you know, she made the choice of her career early on. And this time she wasn't going to make that choice again. She was going to choose her family and the people she loved. That's yes. what I thought. I did not want reconciliation because um, I didn't, I, I thought they did a great, I thought that Ellen did a great job of um, allowing Margaret to be really honest and blunt and that Kelly knew, you know, that ultimately, and I don't have the paper book, I wish I could go to the part, but like um, that they wouldn't work because to her core, right, she, she was a news anchor and could not give Kelly what he needed like what Kelly wanted was a doting wife and that was not who Margaret was like he made comments like oh you can't cook or you don't do these things or different things I just didn't think that was I just didn't think that was Margaret and so I felt I thought that if they reconciled she would be sacrificing who she was mm. see and I think um you know you can't I think we said it earlier you can't have it all or women think that they can't. So maybe she had her career and did that part of her life early on. And now she is ready. Yeah. And she's lucky that her family and her, her love, you know, Kelly are there yeah. with open arms. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't I, think yeah. that, that would happen. You know, her, her relationship with the doctor was like, she was, it was funny. It's oh that's my what she, I, we're, we're all, you know, it's like they're all different kinds of relationships. We all went different things. And he was really busy and she was really busy. And she was, she was like, we had quick, efficient sex, like the way that she talked about it, you know, but that's yeah. what she wanted. That was fulfilling. And she was like, perfect. Someone that's busy, that doesn't have expectations of me. We can sit in the same room and not talk. We can travel the world, whatever. And so um, I thought that that matching was interesting. And he seemed so um, accommodating toward her. So it was interesting. There, there, mm, I don't know. There didn't seem to be passion there. It was uh, nice. Yeah. Maybe not passion. But I mean, God, I've been married 16 years, 17 years now. And is there a lot of passion? Eh. Yeah. Right. I think that's hard. I think, yeah, it's never it's never going to be like it was when you're first together. Maybe for other couples. And that's wonderful. But that's not my experience. <laughs> you I always know. wonder about those couples. Yes. <laughs> they don't have children. <laughs> That's what I think. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Everybody in this inn 
they're all having sex. And I have like, if I go to my in-laws house, I'm like, stay away. You know, (laughs) somebody could hear, you know, the kids could walk in. I'm always like, no. And yeah, everybody in that family was just okay with it. And I was like, maybe I'm such a prude that. Well, I made healthier, a, a healthier uh, understanding of sexuality. They're all adults <laughs> now too. <laughs> yes. Um, and I thought about that. Like one of the thought, one of the things that I, I was trying to like have some deep thoughts about the book since we were going to have this discussion. And one was like, could you imagine, cause we all have kids of school age now, but imagine like when we get older and our kids come home for the holidays, you know, and what that would be like. And especially if we owned an inn and had four kids, um, you know, just, it, I think it's a different, it will be a different world you know, for them to come home for the holidays. And in some ways, I think it's like, you just want them to be there and have, and be happy and enjoy it so that they come back. But I think, yeah, but there is, I mean, I for sure have a total, I mean, Kelly and I were raised Catholic and sex is only for procreation. So we were, that was beat into us. So, you know, I, I have some hangups. And so that would be hard for me. Like, for sure. Like, in the Bible all like, belt, Jess. Yeah. But like that, cause like they saw Kelly and, Margaret, like kind of running yes. around and they're like, oh, cool. Look, they're having sex. And yes. I was like, I don't know. I would kind of be like, what the hell, guys? <laughs> well, I walked in on my dad and his wife because my parents were divorced and or no, it was his girlfriend and they lived together um, in my early 20s. And it still traumatized me like I was eight years old. <laughs> I mean, you know, I heard somebody had told me I don't know if it was like a training seminar on couples therapy or what, but like, oh, that's like mom and dad sex time. And we know when the door is locked, mom, dad are having sex. And I'm like, look how like, what is that Open. sex positive that is? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, good for you. Like, that's cool because it's true. Like it's part of life. And um, obviously this is how you were created and this is what people do. Um, and so it is interesting, uh, right. That, that, you know, they don't have all the hangups and shames mm. and shame and whatnot that I was, that was put on Kelly yeah. and I, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, well, I, I was looking back through, um, the list of I know, questions that you had on the paper, just mm-hmm. about themes and quotes. <sighs> My favorite quote um was at the end when patrick was with his mom crying like to me a 38 year old man still crying to his mom because you know he's in trouble he's done something wrong and she's like i love you unconditionally do you know what that means when he was like yeah yeah i know but do you know what that means it means no matter what and it was like Oh, I, that got me. I love yeah. that. It really stuck with me too, because it's like, it got me thinking about like, I tell my kids, I love them. You know, it's like, you tell your kids you love them all the time, but like, and you say, I love you, like, no matter what, it's like, how do you, it got me thinking about how do you say that to your kid that it they understand what you're saying? Mm-hmm. You know, like that was that moment where she like explained it in a way that he was like, obviously he's in his thirties and, yeah. you know, could figure it out, but. Yeah, I had a conversation uh, with Dominic. Um, He was, I don't know, he was struggling. And I just was like, I said it like, I love all of you, right? I was like, I love all of you. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I was trying to like, get him to understand like all of who you are and how you've been made. Um, I will always love all of you. 
Um, cause I had read something. I don't, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with saying no matter what, but I had read like an article or maybe it was an, an was it an untamed Kelly or no, I don't know what it was, but someone was saying like their child came out and they were like, well, I'll love you no matter what. And they, it was making it seem like that the what gay was, was a no matter what, right, right. Like it was bad. And so I was trying to like, think of ways to verbalize mm. it. So it wouldn't be like, like, I'm going to, I'm going to love you no matter what. So even when there's a big bad part of you, I mean, I love you. And so that's why I was trying to like find a way to verbalize that. Like, I love all of you. That's right? a good point. That's the thing too, is because if you say you love the kid in, unconditionally, they're like, okay, well then I'm just not going to try do anything you say. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what I've been doing wrong. Hmm. <laughs> she said she'd love me if I told her to shut up. So I'm going to test that one out today. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, uh, I, I, um, I, Kelly and I wanted to pick a holiday book and I wanted something that was messy. I didn't want a Hallmark movie type book where everything was wrapped up in a tidy little package at the end. And I wanted something real. Um, and I know obviously their mother's a millionaire famous person and they live in a million dollar home, but everyone has oh, yeah. problems. You know, you know they, they, everyone has issues and struggles and problems and dysfunction. Um, and I think that's relatable to all of us, right? That's yeah. relatable that um, that a ho- holiday gathering can be messy and we're going to come to it with our own emotional baggage and um, issues. And uh, um, so anyways, I enjoyed that about the book. Yeah, I, I think that it was a nice um, balance between the Hallmark side of it as well. Um, It wasn't a happy ending necessarily, which um, is a good thing too. Um, It didn't tie a bow around a lot of things, which is why I want to read some of these other books as well. It was a good pick, Jess. Mm -hmm. I can can imagine that in and what it looks like with the other three houses on the lane, I think they said, and I was like, that's where I want to live. I know. I, I just want all the bathrooms they were describing. I was like, oh, I don't want to Remember when he set fire to her thing in the tub? Oh, yeah. And he was like, this is like a $10,000 tub that she had, I don't know, imported from somewhere. And so I was like, what do these bathrooms look like? I want I want a $10,000 tub. What's happening in here? Um, yeah, no. I And does it make any of you want to... Um, any of those traditions or did anybody look up the golden what was the drink i didn't um oh, gold drink i don't know but Wait. i did i do want to try the the pine cone thing i wanted to oh yes yes I'm me like, too what is it was that? like a almonds over right like a yes. cheese i don't know type yeah I'm golden sure. dream golden dream yes or it was like orange juice and cream and champagne or something and um, Contro. Um, mm, yeah. I just remember that. Um, she did such a great job describing it, right? It was like, oh, what are they making? I need to add that to my Christmas dinner. My repertoire. Yeah, I've got, we have to look I that up. I need to have a holiday drink. So I'll have to look that one up and see. Oh. And, and Brooke, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Thanks for listening and joining us today. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Chasing Brighter or on our blog, ChasingBrighter.com.